Thanks to HelloFresh.com for supporting PC Perspective. Receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PCPER30. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective podcast. This is episode 483 being recorded on January 17th, 2018. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Momentano. We made it through the all critic, always critical introductory switch of the cameras. Better remember our names, folks, because we're not saying them again. No, never again. <laughs> never again. No, no, I just realized we're only 17 weeks away from episode 500. Yep. Okay. 16 weeks away, I guess, technically from episode 500. Well, I'm sure we're going to plan an amazing uh, event. I don't know. Somebody can do the math, figure out where where episode 500 will fall what week do the very complicated math involved yeah of taking this week and adding (laughs) adding 16 to it uh this is for example we are in work week three uh so by my math we add 16 to that we're work week 19 that puts us the first week of may or second week of may for episode 500 you have work weeks noted on your calendar yeah Hmm. when you get important business Business, business, one, business. One, when you get important business, business, mm-hmm. business, business, mm-hmm. one day you'll have to worry about work weeks. I see. Yeah. And when you see WW2 on a form, you'll realize they're not referring to the war that occurred in Europe. They're really, well, in Asia, they're, they're talking about the second week of January <laughs> instead. Yes. Oh. So, you're, you're, so, so that's okay. none of your business yet. So no, that's not like none fiscal weeks or, yeah. The Navy had some weird thing like where their weeks started in like um, the end so of October yeah, if you're, or some silly I have crap worked or, with companies whose work weeks do not line up with actual weeks because their fiscal year ends in like – Yeah. I think NVIDIA's is the worst. I think their fiscal year ends yes. in like July. So it's, it's not like, even like – It's like not even in, it's it's not in even the middle. It's not even a shift of three months. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really weird because I think they have quarters that end January 31st. I don't know, Josh. You might know that better than <sighs> I, but it's very confusing. No. Yeah. It's all wrong. Um, so welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, it is post-CES, so there's a lot to talk to. We'll run in through stuff. Um, a quick note here. Uh, we record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. Uh, I was going to say out loud that if you're having problems doing this on YouTube, you can go to Twitch. But if you haven't found it already, that's not going to help you at all. Uh, the YouTube servers were down. So if you're looking for us live when we recorded this and you couldn't find it, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, but twitch.tv slash PCPer is the backup you could go to for that. We're always usually streaming to both. Uh, if you need a gentle reminder about that, you can go to our subscription page. That is pcper.com slash subscribe. You get this little page here. Ask for your name and your email. We will send you a notification when we are doing a podcast recording or any other type of live stream. Uh, We don't use it for anything else, only for internal purposes, blah, 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 blah. We promise not to spam you. Uh, Also, we still have our Patreon campaign running. Obviously, this is your capability, uh, your opportunity, if you will, to directly contribute to PC Per and the team and the content and the podcast and that type of stuff. Um, This is it's recurring. I want to make sure some people ask for that, right? It's, it's, a, it's a $1, $3, $5, $10, $50, $100 a month. Whatever you feel like giving, uh, you can do that. Um, you can go there and see the, the fancy video we made a year or so, two years ago, about why we did it. You can see a picture of Josh in a bathtub. You know, we were at CES. 
There was a big bathtub. There was no Josh to fill it. I was, and you know, I was sad. So was the bathtub actually there? It was there. We didn't even use it. It was actually deeper than that one. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um. And I and I and I was immediately disappointed because I showed up the day after you guys did. Uh. At the at the hotel. Oh, we soiled that bathtub the first. Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was disappointed because Alan had claimed that bedroom with that bathroom, and so I never got to use it. It you also had a shower it. with two shower heads, which. Hopefully you didn't Ooh, use those. That just you know con- it confused me more than anything else. If it confuses you, it's because I'm sorry. You know, you point <laughs> it's, so your, it's so you shower when you're not alone. You, you point, well, sure, line. but like yeah. I, I was alone, so you're like you point, <laughs> you, you, you point both towards you, and now like you're used to the water yeah. coming from a head. Stereo showers, from, bro. It's I guess it's awesome. It's All it's right. awesome. Uh, so patreoncom per for that, as is always the case. And we're doing our live streams. If you become a new patron or upgrade your patronage during the event, uh, during the live streaming, rather, I will uh, call you out. Uh, positively or negatively during, <laughs> during the show. So keep that in mind. Uh, the Patreon does enable us to do things like this, our mailbag, um, because uh, the rest of us, or most of us, were at CES. I don't say most of us. Some of us were at CES. Uh, you guys get to experience 1,141 seconds of Josh Walrath, which is probably... That's my favorite song from Rent. 11,011 seconds more than he needed. But, yeah, you know... So As you can, can see, I've got the the I am disappointed. That's look. that's a that's a lot of seconds. That's a lot of seconds. Um, Josh answers questions such as improving CPUs and Ryzen refresh, Spectre meltdown vulnerabilities. Will Apple ditch Intel for its own Mac CPUs? Racing games that Josh is looking forward to, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I heard there was a funny steak discussion. Steak, like, is in the food? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Josh's stance on booty shaking. Maybe you want to know the answer to that. Uh, you Maybe. can find that on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash, YouTube.com slash PCPer, or uh, if you go to PCPer.com and look for our PCPer mailbag, uh, that would be episode 26. So, uh, hey, thanks, Josh, for handling that for us. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, any, uh, not any time, some of the times. Hey, you're <laughs> welcome sometimes. Some of the time, old pal. <laughs> Any other time, but now, actually. All right, let's get into the stuff, right? So um, Meltdown, Spectre, security crap. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, It has not really died down in terms of a topic, and that's pretty much all everybody wanted to talk about when we were at CES. Uh, I walked into one particular meeting with this TPU vendor, sat down with the the executive representative, the PR person. They both stared at me for about 10 seconds. They said, go ahead, ask a question. And I was like, <laughs> they were just waiting. They were like, just okay. waiting for it. I was going to do right. small talk first, but uh, clearly we have a thirty-minute window. Let's get this done. Um, so, Alan, you did some some quick testing before we left for CES about the performance impact of. I was going for meltdown, meltdown. because meltdown was supposed to be number one. Was supposed to be the the worst uh, performance impact of all three of the okay the things right supposedly supposedly um, uh, number two. Uh, the first two variants of Spectre, well, really, both variants of Spectre, mm-hmm. uh, require BIOS update and microcode uh, patches. I think the first one did not, but the second one does. I don't, it's... Well, maybe... And I think it, it's changing all the time. Either way, there were missing pieces yeah. to do Spectre, right. like on and off Spectre. Um, they've since some more updates have trickled out, and we're trying to line everything up to do that. Right. Um, but 
in the, at the time being, the quickest thing we could test was uh, test a system before it was patched for Meltdown, and then after it was patched for Meltdown. Um, and we did it on a... Now, we didn't have all the details, first of all. Right, so we did it on... This was January 5th. That's when we published I did it this. on a, uh, what is that, a 7700K yep. system, right? Which is, now looking back, it's one of the newer platforms. It has different extensions that Intel had added. Uh, Ken, which platform version was that? Inve- uh, that's Haswell. Haswell and up? Yeah. 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 So if you, have, if you have Haswell and up and newer, um, your performance hit will be significantly mitigated compared to if you had prior to Haswell for your CPU. Uh, yeah. Right? The, the complexities of which I don't... I'm hesitant to try to re-explain because they're very complicated. It's, so it's, the, it's the, able to separate the user and the kernel. Like, it's, it's able to do... Right. But the reason it's Haswell and above is because at Haswell, they introduced a feature called invalidate. Process CID. context ID and right. INV PCID. Right. PCID was uh, uh, introduced in Westmere, but apparently no software developers, no operating system or hypervisor vendors ever utilized it because it was incredibly difficult to use. The invalidate PCID is essentially like the inverse. So instead of naming, yep. instead of organizing all of your process context, mm-hmm. you basically say this one is not to talk to the other ones. And right. so it's, it's easier to implement, right? Right. Um, and so, but now obviously OS vendors and software vendors have a reason, a very important reason to go back and introduce yeah, this. Yeah. And, there, and, and another reason they didn't want to do it initially was that there was a potential performance hit, even a yeah. small one. Yeah. And they were, people were just like, well, screw that. I'm just not going to do that right. because I don't want to. Why would I do that? There's no security concern I'm not, here. Yeah, I'm I not going to make a patch it. that's going to slow anything down, <laughs> even potentially, right? Um, so we tested uh, three different... Uh, possibilities as right. far as like a storage device being connected, right? We did a, a serial ATA SSD, an 850 uh, Evo, I believe, in this case, yep. right? Um, then we did a 960. Did I do a Pro for that mm. one? I forget. It was it, Evo. was it was before CES. 960 I've Evo forgotten and then the everything. Intel Optane 900P. Okay. So we have a fast SATA SSD, a fast NVMe NAND-based SSD, and a fast, like really fast, uh, Optane SSD. Right. Right. So we got kind of... The three main bases covered there as far as your, uh, you know, storage uh, performance. And I just want to see what's going to happen, right? So we did a round of measurements before, and then with the same conditioning in place, I was doing read-only tests so that I was not disturbing the conditioning of the drives. Right. Because we're trying to measure something that's literally splitting hairs as far as performance, potentially splitting hairs, right? So it's best to just not disturb the devices between the before and after state tests. Um. End result was kind of weird and confusing and interesting all at the same time. Uh, the SATA SSD and the Optane PCIe NVMe SSD both went slightly faster. And then, to throw a wrench in the works, the 960 Evo, which is the NAND NVMe SSD, yep. went slower by like 15 or 20% or something like that. It's a, it, somebody in the chat is asking, uh, how did you... Find a way to turn this into a storage topic. Uh, the, <laughs> the reason why is because the the, the first meltdown of, specter fix uh-huh. or the, the the vulnerability is occurs when you are uh, switching between user mode and kernel mode, or or when uh, applications have to interface with the kernel as opposed to just their own memory space. Right, and and, uh, and I/O and storage, requests, yeah, yeah, storage requests specifically, storage requests, network requests, mm-hmm. those types of things that are basically nonstop. 
hitting the kernel saying, I need this data because yep. the, the, the software application doesn't get to go to the storage device directly. The kernel is responsible for doing that and returning data to the user. Yeah, so your application that's running in user land right, requests the data. So in my case, my storage test application, right, it asks for data just the same way that any program or game or anything else would ask for data. Yeah. Does an API call says, hey, I want this storage device to give me this data. Yep. Um, well, that request is in user land. The application is in user land, right? Um, the API call goes through to the kernel. The kernel issues the I/O request to the device, goes through, you know, everything else that it needs to go through as far as, you know, your I/O request pipeline. The thing is, though, yep. that uh, via direct memory access, which is how the I/O request is completed, right? It actually interrupts the processor and says, or puts, it puts the, the data where it was requested to go okay. and then says, hey, CPU, uh, there's your data, right? The issue is that potentially the data is sitting in a kernel-controlled space. Okay. Now it's got to hand it off to user land again. So potentially, the, I'm not absolutely sure of this, but potentially there's even an extra move of the data that has to happen from one space in memory mm-hmm. to even another space in memory. But at a minimum, you're forcing the CPU to toggle back and forth between user land and kernel land with data, which, okay. is, what, which is what this whole issue and patch four is supposed to right. uh, cost performance hits. You know, hey, I, I hate to interrupt here. No, you don't. But you keep saying kernel land. And I'm thinking it's like a giant KFC amusement park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the kernel. <laughs> makes me it's hungry. the kernel's land. <laughs> makes me anyway. real hungry. It's okay. the corniest place on earth. Yeah. Mm, chicken. Mm. Chicken, yeah. So, um, they have that double chicken thing, the chicken breast with the buns as the bun. They don't sell anymore. The chicken it's like, as the bun. So, right, so yeah. the, the larger yeah, reason. It's like 2,300 you know, calories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the larger yeah. reason we because want to Because it causes a meltdown. Dang it. Guys. Uh, so you had a good joke there, but you didn't yeah, know, him with your The bigger reason we went straight for it was one of the first rounds of tests that were done to come out showed the worst performance hit. Uh, now, to speci- be fair, they weren't using the same kind of storage testing we were using. Sure. They were doing... Um, it was just some benchmark that they were running. I don't remember yeah. the name of the benchmark. But there was a round of the, all these different compile time tests. And I, I'm pretty sure most it was all under Linux as well. They were using some Linux storage tool. It wasn't FIO, but it was some other, you know tool that did a bunch of file accesses or directory manipulations or something and okay. there was a there was a big performance hit and there were even after that there was a string of other articles that came out and the majority of them were all testing a 960 pro or evo as their device okay uh so what i suspected initially and we even had some people ask me on twitter and whatnot and i was like optane's probably going to be hit even worse because if this is adding enough latency for each io that right. you're seeing a 20 percent reduction in performance on something like a 960 then that could be like several times of a reduction in performance um, for Optane because the latency is so much lower. Like you're, you yep. know, like one-tenth of the latency compared to a 960, right? So you'd figure if you were adding X amount of time for each request, that would hurt the Optane severely. Did the testing, that's not what happens. So something, there's something... Uh, that's not what happens on this platform. That's not what happens on this platform. Fair. But for the people testing it on this platform or, you know, platforms that uh, are somewhat mitigated for the performance that they would see from a meltdown patch, uh, if you're testing with a 960 with or without the inbox driver, this was the inbox driver and the Samsung driver, both did the same thing. Right. Or at least very close. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the deal is there, but it's something with the interaction of that set of devices 
that is seeing a, a bigger performance hit. This could be another change that was rolled up into that same January patch for Windows that just happens to have hit that product that, yeah. you know, product range yeah. a little bit harder. But based on what I'm seeing with the other two device types, especially Optane, I don't see why the Meltdown patch would be responsible for that change of performance right. on the drive that's I, n- not as fast as the Optane drive. I think what we're looking at is really... One data point, one platform right now. Well, yes. three data points, one platform. Uh, and there's a lot more still to be looked at. And to be fair, a lot of other people, like while we were out at CS, were doing a lot of other types of benchmarking and stuff. Um, they were. A lot of it, unfortunately, and, was with 960s, though, was the thing. Yeah. And people kept seeing 15 to 20% reduction. True. It's like, I mean, yes, that's not we're an seeing that. Thing. That's a very, very popular product that they've sold millions. Oh, sure. Yeah. I just think that they. It's not unfortunate that it's that data point. It's unfortunate that it's only that data point. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if you suddenly showed that, that the SATA drive was improving in performance, because now if you, if you only test at 960 Pro Evo and you see a reduction, you go, oh, this is because of this. Yeah. If you see an improvement in 850 or an improvement in an Optane product, then you go, oh, I actually have no idea what's happening. Exactly. Which is where we ended up in this, in this thing. Exactly. So. Now, for, now, for the improvement scene on the other two, it's possible that that slight improvement is just coming from there's a little bit more work that has to be done for each I.O. The CPU has to do. doesn't yeah. necessarily add latency. Right in in those cases, or at least not enough latency to matter and actually cause because a reduction. Because the processor is keeping up, but the processor is doing a little bit more work. And if you run a a like low Q depth IOPS type of test, the processor actually tries to clock down a little bit between each request. Yeah, it's it's not doing anything else. And like you know, a few microseconds is like an eternity to a CPU when there's nothing going on in the system, right? Mm-hmm. So it starts to clock down. Then the interrupt request comes in. Now it has to spin back up. Well, if you gave it a little bit extra idle time, it potentially clocked down even to a lower power state and lower clocks, right? right? Or got a little bit deeper into that state, um, which would result in the performance being a little bit lower. I know it seems backwards, but without the patch, the performance could be a little bit lower. And then you patch it, CPU has to work harder, stays more active, responds quicker. True, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's confusing. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think... Um, the only, oh, other thing, the only other thing. The, uh, one, the one last thing is there were a whole bunch of comments all over the place where people keep saying that, oh no, the meltdown patch is not active unless you've done the microcode or the BIOS. Right. Nothing in the white paper that I found, even on Steve Gibson's tool, he released a tool that like checks and see, you know, to see if you're patched for meltdown and mm-hmm. patched for, what is it called? Inspector. Mm-hmm. It's pretty he released. Um, you know, checks and it just tells Get you, it. are you patched for Spectre or are you patched for meltdown, right? Uh, even that tool, first, in its description, and you know how Steve Gibson is about researching things way exceedingly in-depth, right? So even his tool description says, all right, for Meltdown, like, it's only a OS update. Uh, for it, Meltdown, yes. It's Spectre Variant 2 yes. that definitely requires uh, a microcode addition to be uh, most secure, I guess. Now, whether or not yes. that also impacts performance more on the OS side, I don't really know. Uh, so. the, the white paper stated that that was supposed to be a very minor performance hit. The microcode itself? The microcode, like the... Well, what? I mean, that isn't... That doesn't seem to be the case from, other, from people's testing. I understand. But those people are applying BIOS updates that might also... We've seen bigger than a 20% swing in QD1 performance from a BIOS update without patching security vulnerabilities before. Yeah. Like, I, like I, if they mess I, with the, the... If they mess with the C-state timing, the P, how the P-states work, any of that stuff... 
it's going to drastically swing low sure. CDAP performance. Um, so in that case, it's not a controlled enough environment, right? You'd, you'd really need to you'd need to have the patch applied and then use. In this case, now you ha- now we have this inspector tool that can change the registry keys to enable and disable either patch, right? Or at least whatever the optimizations would be for either patch. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it can disable a microcode patch. Well, Spectre isn't only a microcode patch. It's I understand. OS update. So if you disable one I half think, of it, it might not. I got the impression yeah, that maybe. the software can do it on its own, but it can do it more efficiently if, there, if the microcode update is applied. Okay. Right? So, so For Spectre. Let, let, let's leave it this. We have, we have a couple more test beds we're going to do. We're going to do an Ivy Bridge-based platform. Which is the first, it's the only platform without with PCIe 3.0 to test storage that didn't have this INB PCID. Right. And we're also looking at a Z370 platform that has the Spectre BIOS update. Yeah. Update. Right. And then the other catch is I don't think there's gonna be a BIOS update for that earlier platform. Oh no. Asus has said X99, X299, Z170, and up. Yeah. So. So we can test Meltdown. Yeah. Um, but we can't test any, you know, microcode or. Right. There, there will be no platform that gets both a Spectre BIOS upgrade and is doesn't have INB PCID. It's just too old. Right. Like X seventy nine is too old. Z seventy seven is too old. You hear that, all you people out there? You're old. Oh well, using old hardware. Uh, no one's using a thirty seven seventy K anymore, right? It's, it's not except, one of the most popular processors ever. Except. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to a couple of, uh, one other thing here before we jump into our ad break. Uh, Lake G officially launched at CES on January 7th. Um, this is the Intel 8th Gen CPU that includes Radeon Vega M graphics. This was a much-rumored product yep. uh, that Intel and AMD announced their partnership about but didn't really go into specific details on what it was. This is what that bad boy looks like on the right in that picture uh, is the Intel processor, and on the left is the AMD GPU, and on the furthest left is the HBM2 memory. Notice a couple of things. One, that GPU, much larger than the CPU. Well, I mean, it's a GPU die. Right? It's a, and it's a powerful GPU yeah. die. Yeah. Uh, but keep in mind that the CPU also has a GPU on it. Oh, yeah. Right? It still has Intel integrated graphics on it, which is interesting to think about. Um, you know... It, just a cool technological thing to have and to see. Um, they're still calling this the 8th generation core processor uh, H series, even though... What was the name of that substrate like the G. bus thing? That yeah. EMIB. Right? So the okay. technology here is... The, so there's a, this is kind of your standard substrate across all of this. Right. This AMD section here... Oh, you can't see my cursor. I don't have that enabled. Uh, but over here on the left, between the, between the GPU and the uh, uh, HBM die, HBM2 die, is where that EMIB is. Yeah. Um, and the EMIB, as he scrolls through the article looking for um, the so that, acronym, it is Embedded, embedded. Multi-Die Interconnect Bridge. So that's just between the GPU and the memory, or is it between all three? It's only between the GPU and the memory. Oh. The GPU connects to the CPU through uh, PCI Express eight lanes. Only eight. Through the substrate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's just direct wired, not going to any kind of port or anything. So this is essentially a discrete product. Yeah. And everything except the standard form factor, right? It's it's super tiny for a discrete. Super tiny, discrete integration. Yeah. 
It's the first 8th gen uh, Core H platform. Uh, they have some more advanced power sharing technology uh, as well. Specifications wise, it's kind of impressive. So there's two SKUs of the GPU Vega MGH and GL. GH mm-hmm. for graphics high. Okay. And GL for graphics low. Makes sense. Uh, sure. Why We've not? seen worse lettering. We have. Yes, that's true. You can see a breakdown of the compute units and the shader counts and the clock speeds there. Clearly, the GH uh, has four more compute units, so it has uh, 240 additional stream processors. No. I'm not going to try to do the math. What is it? Four, there's 64 times these. So 256 additional stream processors. Are they going to like... Uh, higher clock speeds... Higher, you know, 3.7 teraflops versus ROPs. 2.6 teraflops. Double the ROPs, man. That's oh, an interesting. Pixels. That's an interesting differentiation, is it not, Josh? Like, what what would you expect that to impact in terms of performance? It depends on the application, but it also depends on how it goes and accesses the memory. Um, because you know the ROPs are usually pretty closely uh, associated with the memory controller. Yeah, um, you know, and we've, usually we've when seen you that see. In the past, you, when you see it in the past, like you have less memory if you have fewer ROPs, but in this case, is you have four gigs of each. Yeah, but is it? Do they do they say how many uh, bits of uh, they what, uh, memory? Ba- it's a thousand uh, thousand twenty four, and they both, say that right? on both. Or does yeah. it say? No, they say okay. that on both. Yeah, thousand twenty four pretty low for HBM two. Wasn't that HBM one sort of? Well, it's only one. Well, it's only one yeah, stack. It's only one stack. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. So what's the yeah, no, power it's... consumption of this Vega M thing look like? Well, the combined is um, – so the if you look at the processor SKUs here at the bottom, right? So they're all Cabby Lake-based, quad-core, 8-thread, uh, different clock configurations. Um, the differences are in the so – yeah, okay. So uh, the 8809G, 8709G are 100-watt TDP. The 8706-8705G are 65 watts, 8305G also 65 watts. So there's a 65-watt option and a 24-watt option. The differentiator there is primarily the graphics subsystem. Yeah. Right? So the GL is in the 65-watt parts. Vega. That's right. That's right. Now, what's interesting here is that pretty much, as, as you'll see, we'll talk about those, these products on the, on the left on the rundown, um, the notebooks are using the 65-watt part. And the Nook is using the 100-watt part, and that's the only really system we've seen um, offering the 100-watt version. I mean, that makes sense. You kind of want it to be plugged in. I mean, kind of. It's interesting, right? Because, um, you know, you get these... 65 is already kind of high for a mobile platform. But there are notebooks that dissipate 100 right. watts of heat. Oh, sure. It's CPU notebooks. and GPU. Sure. For like, like if you look at a, a, a GTX 1060 or 1070 Max-Q design, that's over that's 100, like 100 watts. Okay. Right. Um, because you're combining an H-series processor that's 30, 35, 45 on its own, plus yep. whatever the GPU is going to pull. Now you're doing it in a much denser space, which is both advantageous for board design and in implementation, but also disadvantageous for, for trying to cool it. thermals, right? Yeah. Like trying to get it cool. But is it, though? I mean, you can Not still... necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're using heat pipes and stuff, like you can yeah, move I mean, 100 you can watts. With you could simplify cooling significantly... Yet still expand on you have the amount to have, of, of potential cooling there is. Don't you so have to have having a cooling system for your GPU yeah. that has to handle up to seventy-five to one hundred watts, and a separate cooling system for 
your CPU that's, what, 25 to 35 watts, you can combine that entire space and fin process a lot more effectively and for a 100-watt part, and, and you may still get better peak performance um, with a lower TDP because it's not trying to juggle all the thermals as much. And Plus, I, I, I guess the, um, the power, um, we haven't learned enough about this, but I've heard the power sharing with that is truly impressive. Um, that's what, how it can shunt it back and forth. Intel would like to tell us that, and and I have no reason to not believe them. But yeah, they they call it dynamic power sharing, and it's supposed to be um, more advanced than any kind of CPU with discrete GPU has ever been before. Um, you know, the, Intel's claim is that they put this the the semi custom part of the GPU that they got from AMD on this uh, is that they had these hooks put in so that they could. Uh, control in hardware and software the 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 power of the GPU itself and of the memory itself, right? So um, the goal is to, <clears throat> as this slide shows, is not necessarily lower power, but more efficiency for that power. How many frames per second per watt do you mm-hmm. get? How many frames per watt are you able to get? And they're showing, you know, a, a twenty percent improvement in efficiency frames per watt compared to something that does not integrate this dynamic power saving uh, or dynamic power sharing technology. Um, and then this thing could conceivably, like, for short periods, probably draw more than 100 total, right? Because um, Intel CPUs will do that. I mean, in, in theory, yes, but also the the number of instances where any kind of gaming or graphics thing you would want to have a, you would have a sudden spike that wouldn't be more sustained right. is lower right right um yeah usually it's continuous for those yeah and well we'll look we'll finish through here so if you look at like some of the graphics and some of the benchmarks they're showing um this graphic is comparing it to three-year-old pc so take that for what you will um this one here is comparing it to uh gtx 1050 so a similar like it's the same cpu with a new gpu you're getting anywhere from 1.1 to 1.4 x better performance in a gtx 1050 and this is with the vega mgl hmm. and for the vega mgh they're comparing it to a uh that's a three-year-old machine so again yeah skip that one the next one uh vega mgh is 1.13x or so, you know, anywhere. It, it's basically matching to 10, 10, 15% faster than a GTX 1060 Max Q implementation. So, you know, which is good. This is not, it's amazing actually. Yeah. Um, but what's important to note is it's not um, fundamentally new levels of performance. It is something that we have seen before that exists, but sure. it has never existed in this package mm-hmm. before, and it's never existed as a, as a product from Intel. Even though this uses Radeon graphics, you know that they buy from AMD and implement themselves. This is sold by Intel, supported by Intel. Um, the driver support comes from Intel, which is, you know, an interesting discussion to have, right? There, it's it's hard to see in that it's also slide. Going to be cheaper, or in theory, it should be cheaper well, than a combination that, Intel, you know, CPU with a 1060Q. You would think card. they would use that capability on their side as well. Right. In theory, they could charge the same or more and say, hey, you're going to get this advantage in board space. You get this advantage to make thinner designs and improve more battery. We think our our advantage is worth it. Um, I would like to believe that they would say we're going to be a little bit cheaper than this. I don't know what that structure is. And in reality, whatever you look up on Intel's ARC website means literally nothing when it comes to notebook um, product pricing 
because all the deals they make with Dell and HP and Lenovo and, and what have you, MSI, have nothing to do with what is shown on those particular websites. Um, the software side is interesting, right? Because uh, Intel has gotten a lot of crap over the years, and I think deservedly so, for having very poor graphics drivers support, especially for gaming. Right Now you're introducing a Radeon Vega GPU on there that um, has the potential to be very important. Oh, I don't want that update. Thank you. Uh, very important uh, for 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 gamers, and now you're putting a lot of confidence in them because you want to game on this thing. And, and the, basically, the the business deal they have with AMD is they're gonna they're going to rebrand. They're going to I don't want to say rebrand. They're going to get the core driver from from AMD's Radeon team. Yeah, repackage it in a, in the in the, the the software that looks just like the Radeon uh, control panel. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, what do they call Except it? Except blue. Except it's blue instead of red and has an Intel logo instead of AMD logo. Radeon settings. Which kind of blows my mind, right? The idea that there's this like essentially rebranded software package that instead of having an AMD with red coloring, it's Intel with blue coloring. It's like one step away from Intel acquires AMD. Yeah, or, it's it's you know. it's kind of weird. But now they're responsible for those drivers out. And so, you know, I've talked with them and they've 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 assured me that, oh, you know, when Radeon has a day one driver, we're going to have a day one driver. That's surprising because I was totally expecting like this whole, you know, cell phone OS update through the vendor crap that happens to everybody. Like, I mean, that that's still you know a question I mean? because in, Intel has not previously, you know, forced OEMs to use their drivers like NVIDIA has done. NVIDIA has done a very good yeah. job of, of strong arming uh. these guys and saying, you're going to let us use People can download GeForce drivers from GeForce.com. Is that not the case, Ken? I'm pretty sure that's the case with Intel integrated graphics. Like, I don't think that HP has their own version or own builds or anything. I'm pretty sure. It's oh, really? Okay. At this point, all right. Yeah. Maybe that's Could the case. And, that, and back but... in the day, Nvidia had that issue on. Mobile. They did, but it's been it's been several years since that was yeah. a problem. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. Um, yeah, but it, Dell is the same as HP. If you go and you look, you will find a driver that will be four or five years old. Yeah. For like an HD 4000. Got it. But you can still yeah, download go with the Windows one. It's newer. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, this is the new logo. So this is the branding that's going to be on these notebooks. Notice it does not say AMD anywhere. It is Intel Core i7 8th Gen Radeon RX Vega M. Huh. Uh, With mad eyebrows. Like, yeah. They're just black instead <laughs> it's a, of red. It's a really interesting product, um, which now we will discuss in its implementation form. Oh. Let's talk about the Cabby Lake G Nook. So this is the one that's using uh, the 100-watt version. It's the only product we know of today that is utilizing the 100-watt version of this part. What, what prior Nook had a discrete GPU? Uh, I don't think a Nook did. There were Nook knockoffs like from bricks. like like Gigabyte. Yeah, yeah but not bricks. those. I'm talking just a Nook. The, there was a Skull Trail Nook that was a similar design, thinner, lighter. Yeah. Um, it wasn't what like part the usual was it? brick. It was at a. It didn't have a discrete GPU in it. No, it had an Iris Pro GPU. It had an Iris yeah. Pro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still not discrete. No, they've never done a Nook with a discrete GPU. In yeah. It. Well, thanks to this tiny. So the, I mean, it, it's it's bigger than like we don't have any comparison photos in here. Well, there you go. You can get smaller a little bit than idea. Bread box. It is definitely smaller than a bread box. Get an impression uh, there from the amount of connections that are on. Looks it. Looks a little bigger big than the Skull Trail one. It yes. is. Yeah. It's thicker. It's 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 bigger oh. in general. Looks about the size of a uh, cable modem. Yeah, smaller than that, I'd say. Well, yeah. no, like a yeah, it's close. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's it's less thick than that. It's a bigger footprint, but okay. yeah. Um, they're calling it the uh, Nook Eight Enthusiasts, which I must immensely and immediately compliment 
the naming scheme compared to previous Some of the iterations. Previous, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry, it's still the Nook 8 i7 HVK. Oh, no, you're right. And the well, HNK. Okay. Oh, no. But it has a shorter name. They yeah. couldn't bury that name too deep. That's true. They have 100 watt and 65 watt versions of it. Uh, it's going to be $999 bare bones for the high end nice. version, wow. $799 bare bones for the 65 watt version. Uh, comes with wireless connectivity, but you got to add, you basically add storage and memory. Yeah. Right. Hey, you and got you Thunderbolt go. 3. Yep. There's there's actually a lot of stuff on here, right? Like you get two uh, gigabit Ethernet, you get Thunderbolt, you get DisplayPort, you get four USB 3.1, uh, 3.0. 3.0. This would make the best sense box. it's got an sd card reader on the front you got hdmi in the back hdmi on the front there's actually a lot here Um, six display outputs i believe yeah six total display outputs um march 2018 availability it's an impressive device it is expensive there's no getting around that like a thousand bucks plus memory plus storage you're looking at let's say you add a a 500 gig 960 evo or something like that what's that going to cost you three hundred dollars so uh, and then what's memory another three hundred at this point because f everything so you're talking about fifteen to sixteen hundred bucks yeah yeah for this rig which is essentially a high end gaming laptop without a monitor without a display a or keyboard or touchpad touch or that type of stuff <laughs> yeah but you also have to use a laptop keyboard or touchpad that's true you're not you're not relegated to that yeah, I agree yeah, it's true um, so I think that's actually a really interesting product it'd I'm excited be, to get hands on with it it'd be one badass thing to hook up to your tv i know we always say that about nooks like oh you can hook it up to your tv but like you could actually play this one some, can actually game you could actually play some games at 1080p yeah. on this thing yeah you still have that whole and that's why i told them i said like, there's no there's no good 10 foot interface for windows still it still sucks as a device connected to a tv that you don't have a keyboard and mouse for um but i don't really expect intel to fix that that's not necessarily but, their but problem can you hook it to the nvidia tv no uh yeah you can Maybe. Sure. Why not? It's going to have HD. Well, Does it have a TV? No. Does this? No. Does it, has, it will support FreeSync. No, 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 no. Does the BF, the, the, the NVIDIA you're, TV, you're does that have, that's G-Sync, yeah, right? You're, you're, skip, you're skipping ahead, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on. About. Can't you see the rundown? Nope. Nope. Me neither. Uh, so that's that's a Kaby Lake G Nook. And then also we have um, Kaby Lake G Notebooks that we got hands-on with. We got to see the 8th gen, the HP Spectre X360 15, uh, which is a convertible you know, yoga style. Um, it is available both with uh, uh, Kaby Lake G and Kaby Lake R plus MX150, which will be an interesting kind of side-by-side comparison if we can get a couple of those devices in. In terms of pricing, the Kaby Lake G model is uh, uh, for, starting at 1449 with the 256 gig SSD and... Um, 8 gigs of RAM. If you want the real version, it's 1699 with 16 gigs of RAM and a 512 gig SSD. Looks very much like the Spectres we have seen before. Wait, uh, scroll up. Yep. Okay. You were looking at the MX1. Oh, sorry. No, I was looking at the wrong. The yeah. Refresh. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think anything particularly stood out about it other than it's a 15-inch convertible that has pretty impressive graphical capability. And then also we had the Dell XPS 15 2-in-1. Um, also powered by Kaby Lake G. What's interesting here is, I'm pretty sure I don't. I feel like I was corrected on this, but I don't think it's right that this was actually a 65 watt part. But are they actually 45 watt TDP down? It's a 65. It's a 65 watt part yep. being configured to use about 45 watts average. Right. 
So it's going to be lower performance than the metrics that Intel was claiming in their 65 watt part. You know, we have to wait to get hands on with one of these to do some testing. Uh, it's a really nice design, though. Um, you know, it's a 15 watt machine, so it's not small, it's not light. Um, inch, not 15 watt. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not a 15 watt machine. Um, 15 inch screen. So depending on what your preferences are for notebooks at this point. You know, uh, but it is it is an impressive piece of hardware. The, the screen is 100 percent Adobe RGB, so it's like it's a really nice screen as yeah. well, which is which is cool. One of the things that I was asking a lot of people about is neither of the machines that were shown as Cavi Lake G products by Intel had any inkling of branding or even promotion towards gaming devices. Like this is not nobody ever said, oh, this is a great portable gaming device. Hmm. Um, and when I talked with Dell about it. They were very kind of uh, – they messaged it as this is a gaming – this is a device that can game but not necessarily one that is like targeted towards gaming, which I think undersells the, the capabilities of the part quite a bit, right? You know, I, I understand targeting as, a, as a kind of like a mainstream workstation. You're doing video editing. You're doing content creation, something like that. That GPU is going to help with that. Uh, but really I think – you know, more so than any any other product that Intel's put out, this is really targeted at that gaming audience. So I don't know if there's just like a time delay between, you know, like HP and Dell got first dibs on this before MSI Asus get to do something with it, or if MSI and Asus are too much beholden to NVIDIA on their discrete parts to really do anything with it, or well, or what? I mean, Dell's kind of taking a similar approach on the on the XPS fifteen which in the last generation, I guess it's technically still the current generation, they have 1060s in them. Yeah. So or 1050 Ti's, 1060s maybe, I can't remember exactly the sure. configurations. But they don't advertise it as a gaming product at in the least. Yeah. It's just not, like, they have a gaming brand, mm. and it's Alienware. XPS is not that. So we'll, we'll be following up on that soon. I think we should actually have some hardware for all of these devices uh, relatively soon. Before we get into our ad for the week, quickly say uh, thanks to Kundrapu Naveen Keshav Rao pledged $3. Let's see how badly I, I massacred that name, but thank you very much. And then uh, Heidi Bird edited their pledge from $1 to $3. So thank you guys both very much for your support. Patreon.com slash PCPerp. Now, let's quickly get to uh, our sponsor for today's episode. That would be uh, our friends over at HelloFresh. They're offering everyone in our audience $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PCPer 30 Pretty straightforward, guys. Um, this is a, a meal delivery service that sends you ingredients pre-packaged, pre, uh, pre-sized, ready to go, so you're, you're still getting the the home-cooked meal without having to go uh, shopping, without having to go uh, buy any of the, uh, um, the, the, the products that go bad. You don't have to go buy cheese because they couldn't ship you cheese. Everything comes in in uh, refrigerated kind of uh, packages with ice, ice bags in them. Uh, it's, it's super convenient. It's actually really fun, um, and I, I think it's, actually, it's a pretty good value when it comes right down to it as well. Uh, for convenience, right, you can choose your delivery day that works for you. Uh, you can pause it for weeks when you're out of town. Really helpful for somebody like me who's doing some traveling uh, quite a bit. They have a pretty big selection of flexibility, right? They offer a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. They have three plans. You can choose classic, veggie, and family, right? Obviously, vegetarian, family, if you want to have something that is more kid-friendly uh, than, than some other options, Um 
I actually, right before we came over here to record the podcast, uh, cooked up one of the ones that they sent over. It was a uh, flatbread pizza with zucchini and chicken sausage, and it was really good. And I'm not very good at cooking, and the step-by-step directions, um, the the kind of pre-portioned ingredients make it all really easy to handle. Um, and I got to stay home. You know, we didn't have to go out. Somebody didn't have to go to the store and run errands to pick something up. I didn't have to ask my wife to pick up cruddy fast food on the way home from work or anything. Why are you laughing at that, Alan? It sounds like something you do too often. Because <laughs> you eat McDonald's twice today. Yeah. See, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Um, you don't have to spend all night in the kitchen either because these recipes are generally targeted at like 30 minutes or so. Uh, and I think usually they have one that's faster than that each week as well. Uh, and I, I think, and Ken will agree with this because I know he's used this too, the, you, you gain confidence as you do this just in like how to get around the kitchen, using pots and pans and, and cooking. And, and they teach you, they kind of walk you through these techniques or they instruct you in these techniques and you Google a little bit what does it mean to you know, dice versus chop. And you go, oh, okay, now I'm learning. And, and now you can apply that for other things, right, when you don't have a HelloFresh meal for that particular day. But why would you do such a thing? One of the great things is also that the at least there are usually a couple of items that are more exotic than something you would normally think to cook for yourself. So, like, I mean, we live in the Midwest. It's pretty meat and potatoes. You're not cooking yeah. Asian-inspired dishes a lot. But you learn how to use those flavors and you learn how to cook those dishes that you can incorporate into other things. And it's just a great experience. The two meals I've had. So, like, the zucchini chicken sausage pizza I would never have made on my own. And then uh, the one there's one left that I'm looking forward to. That I was kind of – I was sad that my wife uh, suggested the other one first was like a uh, a cauliflower uh, – this is a cauliflower-inspired dish. Like it was – it's a vegetarian thing, but it sounded amazing uh, with it. And it's like I would never have thought to cook hmm. in that particular way. So um, it, it, it's really great, guys. I would encourage everybody to try it out, honestly. If you go to HelloFresh.com, use the code PCPER30, you get $30 off your first – week of deliveries uh and i honestly think it's it's worth a shot again thank you to hellofresh.com for sponsoring us hellofresh.com promo code pc pc per 30 for 30 dollars off and we thank them for their support of this uh awe-inspiring show of wit and technology and information josh you're supposed to say something witty there witty all right to eat yeah, let's run through uh, the CES stuff. We're running late as it is. Ryzen APU announced coming February 12th. Josh, any thoughts on this? This is Ryzen CPU, Radeon Vega graphics. Go. Go. You forgot to wind up. Go. I think he's gone. I, I'm not gone. I just was muted because I was <laughs> coughing. Oh. It's about damn time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had Excavator base cores for what the past three years people have been expecting i mean we've had it's gone over to am4 but only for oem i mean you can kind of pick it up if you look on the gray market but there hasn't been anything like this from amd and they needed it badly and then they needed it this year but they couldn't do it and i understand why now it's it's going to be really interesting because they have redone some stuff in there. This is kind of the first time that we're going to see the Infinity Fabric working with GPU and CPU. We've we've talked about you know the CPU Infinity fa- Fabric working with the memory controllers and the cross CCIX uh, communications and uh, 
the cache memory and all that stuff. But now we finally get to see this running with a GPU. And this Infinity Fabric took up, I think, quite a bit of design time to get it implemented on the GPU side. And it's not only for the CPU, I mean, not only for the standalone graphics, but, I mean, really was aimed at this. This is where they think that it will really be great for power and performance and just the granularity of of memory accesses, um, power sharing, all these things that, that we kind of expect in a next-generation APU. It looks like it's going to be showing up here. Um, they've improved, apparently, um, latencies internally for caches and memory accesses mm -hmm. as compared to Ryzen, uh, you know, the initial Ryzen. So it's it's a slightly redesigned core, but it's not anything... You know, amazing. I mean, maybe right. we'll see two to five percent, depending on some some corner cases. Um, I that font. They've nice. probably worked on power <laughs> extensively. This is still a fourteen nanometer part, and we'll be moving to twelve nanometer sometime. I think next year. But uh, it's it's AMD needed this, and they needed it badly. And I this think, was only going to help them out. I think this this slide here really shows it uh, in that. It's not something that enthusiasts really think about very often because, hey, a Ryzen processor, I'm going to use a discrete GPU, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. for you know, half of the market, essentially, they just use the integrated graphics on an Intel part. Sure. And the Ryzen parts were fundamentally disadvantaged by requiring somebody to buy, even if it's a 30 or 50 or an $80 GPU um, still an added to cost, do that. It's yeah. still added power draw. And, and AMD still kind of – Still driver conflicts. Yeah. Still all sorts of fun. Yeah. And, and AMD was kind of missing out on one of the – you know, tent pole capabilities that it has in its graphics IP. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think they they'll have they'll have more complexity trying to convince people that the advanced graphics in a Ryzen APU. I, and I want to be clear: I don't think AMD is calling these APUs anymore. Um, but it, 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 imploring people that the Ryzen with Vega graphics is valuable compared to the Intel integrated graphics. Um, but I think I think they're making the case there. So these will be out February 12th. So we're looking forward to testing them. Hopefully with uh, whoever Unlock Ed is um, on the overclocking side too. But hey, Ken, can you show that slide? That comment makes a lot more sense if I show that slide. I don't. I don't know what you mean. Unlock Ed. Unlock Ed. When you send out Unlock Ed presentations, it's free Ed. The PDF cool. should have Wake the right font. Then. <laughs> uh, let's on, see what else guys. we got. Speaking of Ryzen, the second gen. Ryzen CPUs are confirmed to be coming in April of this year. Um, these are the 12 nanometer Zen Plus processors, not Zen 2 architecture, Zen Plus. So these are, you know, slightly higher clocks, uh, improved precision boost technology. They're calling it Precision Boost 2. If you remember back when Ryzen first launched, they admitted that they didn't have the time that they really needed to make Precision Boost a a good implementation in its first run. It was very um, coarse in how it did things, uh, and that's going to change with uh, with the second generation parts. Also worth noting in this roadmap, let me click on this and, and show it here. Um, so they have Q1 for the desktop APU. Oh, I can't slide over enough. Gen 2 uh, rising there, and this box is being cut off on my screen. I don't know if I can. Let me see if Just I can. Zoom uh, out and see if you can. No, it's keeping it to the right. So that's all right. Uh, Hiding the Threadripper. It basically converts, uh, says that in the second half, you'll have Threadripper 
second generation as well. So I think that will that will interest some people. Same socket AM4, right? So all of your existing X370 motherboards will support these and 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 B350. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, boards will support these processors. However, comma, they are going to have an X470 chipset with new motherboards based on it. It just will not be required. They claim that it's going to be optimized for these GPUs. I'm sorry, for these CPUs, uh, lower power, launching the same time frame. Essentially, if you remember all kind of like the, the power hiccups that they had and kind of working with these motherboard guys for the first time again in a very long time, yeah. um, they're correcting that here. So, is, so that, is that platform supposed to also add something that might make that compatible with you know cpus from further down the line that wouldn't be compatible with like i don't believe that's the case I, okay. I i i don't think so i don't know that but i don't believe that's the case i think they have you know promised am4 compatibility for some time okay right um but at this point compared to intel even going to the second generation is a freaking yeah amazing yeah uh uh, uh Feet. Capability, yeah, feet, yeah. thank you, uh, to do. So there's not a lot of other information on this um, other than kind of an April time frame. So now we know, uh, which probably has something to do with these price drops then. Oh, gee, as well. Look at those. Not a quinky dink, probably, that uh, at the same time they announce that the next generation is going to come. And I, w- I, w- I will say, like, in, uh, AMD did tell us, the second gen, you're looking at maybe 10% better performance at each class segment. That yeah. includes higher clocks and any other the precision boost changes. Yeah, they're just optimizing a little right? bit. So Nothing crazy. Not, not, a, not nearly, you know, people who thought, oh, my God, we had a 52% IPC improvement <laughs> uh, from, you know, the, the previous gen to the first Ryzen part. You're not going to get that here. Nope. Now, what, what you get out of Zen 2 may be something different, but we'll talk about that in 2019. Um <laughs> The, the, so the rise in price drops are interesting. Jim put this table together. I think was really useful. Um, the biggest – and chances are you've seen these price drops kind of hit or miss like on Amazon and Newegg throughout the last quarter. They've kind of been like A-B testing stuff. So the Ryzen 7 1800X launched at 499 Now it's dropping to 349 So mm-hmm. a 30% drop in that in that uh, CPU price. The 1700X goes from 399 to 309. Um, 1700 is going down 30 bucks. Um, the 1600X going down 30 bucks. So anywhere from you know seven to 12 to 30 percent difference. The only Threadripper that drops in price is the 1900X. It goes from 549 to 449. Um, it's a nice drop on the 1700X and the 1800X, though. Yeah, the 1800X especially. Um, I still think the 1700 is probably. The sweet spot for people who are building it is, these machines. Well, it's dropping for four hundred to almost three hundred. The seventeen hundred X is the sweet spot. Yeah, you think the it's, only, it's, it's only ten bucks more than the seventeen hundred. Yep. Now, yes, okay, yeah. So you're right, I mean, you're right, you're right. It, well, because it used know, to be seventy. I got to throw in here because uh, if you go on Amazon or Newegg, Threadripper nineteen fifty is eight ninety nine. Correct, but that is not that is a quote unquote sale and not a price reduction, yeah. right? So. What it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to the consumers. Yeah. Well, actually, the 1950X was for sale for 7.99 for a yeah. few weeks as That's well. True. Yeah, mostly so, over Black Friday, Christmas time period. It was like yep. it was like two or three weeks straight that it was yeah. 7.99. Um, 
So, yes, you're right. You can still find these parts cheaper than this. These are just the SEPs. These are the MSRPs, whatever you want to call it, um, that, are, that are bringing these down. They're not going to be more expensive than this unless someone develops some sort of Ryzen-specific cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shut up, Ken. <laughs> Um, They'll hear you. Coin. This probably has something to do. Nice. This probably has something to do with the April release of the new processors. You want to make sure you don't have too much inventory uh, of, of uh, these old ones as they come out. Um, they're still, you know, fantastic parts. Also, you know, somebody was asking them, like, you know, are you having trouble? Do you only lower prices when you're having trouble selling something? And he's like, no, we're not having trouble selling any of it. And apparently, they just said like. When they did this A-B spot testing, when they dropped that part to 349, they sold more. They sold enough more to make up for the difference. So yep. they made it up in volume. How to make that <laughs> supply and demand curve. you got to find that sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always make it up. Always make it up in volume. And then the final thing from AMD at CES, which is still a lot, uh, they teased, barely teased, 7 nanometer Vega. So uh, this is coming sampling in 2018 no official word on when they're actually going to release this it is not a gaming part it is a machine learning optimized part um which will make all the gamers upset and angry because we, now we have we literally have no more information about vega uh when the hell did that launch june no vega vega 64 vega? october july mm, no later well, than that yeah it was like a special Creators edition or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think we were, I'm trying to remember what we were C- talking about. Twenty seventeen was, was a blur. Sigraph November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Sigraph was August. November. August. No, it was way sooner than November. August, I think, was the frontier. Oh, but at Sigraph is when they did the R, uh, Radeon RX, the Vig, the the Radeon like the gaming one. Yeah. So I think that was later than that. Regardless, um, we know nothing else about this other than it's a seven nanometer part. It's focused on machine learning. They they have a line in there about new DL ops, new deep learning operations, uh, but they didn't go any more uh, detail than that. It could mean that they're going to integrate something similar to what NVIDIA has done with um, Volta, where they integrated tensor core style, like tensor cores on that GPU. AMD maybe decided to do something like that or similar um, in order to to keep up in that space. Um, they were integrated new IO to, you know, to compete with NVLink, uh, and they have MX GPU support for dividing those resources for virtualization as well. And you can see here, this is like their roadmap, right? Now I use that term in virtual air quotes <laughs> because it has 2017 on one side, it has 2020 on the it's other. It's not a very good map. Yeah. And it's just got code names and, you know, process it's like nodes. like Lisa Sue just pointing somewhere. It, it's like you have no idea what 2019 or one maybe all three of these last parts are 2020, right? And they just have a, a subtitle that says "not to scale" on here or something. <laughs> um, but what 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 might concern you is that if Vega Seven Nanometer is listed as sampling in 2018, and Navi is now listed as Seven Nanometer, and it's after that. Do we now go all the way back to sampling in 2019 for that? Is this a tw- is is mm. now Navi definitely a 2019 part based on this? What you're seeing, Josh? What do you think? Is that likely? Potentially, kind of seems like uh, this Vega Seven nanometer is is a pipe cleaner, and possibly seven, six, seven months after that, we'll see. Uh, Navi sampling and uh, being introduced in the second half. I yeah. mean, this is 
That's, that's, it could be either or just because we don't know how far behind and plus seven nanometers, a pretty big jump for everybody. I it mean, is. TSMC's kind of got it running, but we don't know that's how well true. it's going to be. They've done that in the past with, uh, gosh, like uh, 130 nanometer down to 110 or somebody like that. I can't remember. They But they did a part um, that kind of showed them how to get it going. Yeah. And then they released just a couple of months after that their next generation stuff. So right. they could be doing that. That would probably make the most sense, uh, especially given how much uh, R&D funds the graphics guys are uh, being given as compared to the CPU guys. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. Again, not a lot of great information, a lot of detailed information on that side, but, you know do we can uh nvidia's biggest announcement on the gaming side you know they talked a lot about their autonomous driving stuff uh having a two-year advantage and that stuff but they have this thing called the bfgd which obviously stands for big format gaming display mm, you might yeah, also call yeah. it the big f and gaming display mm, big f and g-sync display uh, this is a 65 inch g-sync television no essentially no it's not I'm still saying that. It's, nope. They call it a display. They don't even call it a monitor. Exactly. Yeah. BFGM. Wouldn't be as cool, but BFGD. It's essentially a 65-inch monitor, 4K, 120 hertz, HDR, HDR10, right? Yes. Um, that has an NVIDIA shield integrated into it. Air quotes. Well, I mean, it I is mean... physically integrated <laughs> into it. Yeah. Right? Um. It's a really interesting idea um, that looked cool. Like, so it was still in early prototype stages. Like, the final builds weren't weren't great. Um, there were some issues with the backlighting that we saw that needed to be worked out. Uh, but the idea is, hey, you know how since G Sync came out, we all wanted TVs with it. That never happened. How about we do it ourselves, right? And that's essentially what the BFGD is. Yeah. They're working with Asus, Acer, and HP. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. On this, um, we're not sure what the inputs will be, right? Correct. And I think it will differ based on the vendor. Um, like the implementations when I peeked behind the BFGD and looked at it, like literally there is a housing uh, around everything, like a back, right? And then there's an there's a suspicious HDMI cable of about yay long, you know, foot like- long Not that even. goes out of a port and into a port which yeah. is very clearly and it's coming from a, th- a, a the bulge. shield it's a shield shaped bulge <laughs> in the back of uh, the housing and into <laughs> what looks like an input on the tv yeah right which is actually interesting in a couple of reasons one it tell and, and because nvidia confirmed that g-sync would work on the shield tv so variable refresh would work on the on the shield tv right so if you have Media playing at 23.97 FPS, it's mm-hmm. going to play back on the screen at that frame rate. Yep. Um, the games would do that. Android games would do that. And if you're streaming stuff through, like, GameStream from your desktop PC somewhere else, you stream it to the BFGD as, it's, as the Shield itself, the Shield TV, um, then it would support VRR there as well. Telling me that that HDMI port is supporting G-Sync, mm-hmm. which is something that no desktop monitor has ever done. Right, there's no HDMI G-Sync support that exists in the ecosystem. That's true today. So interesting to note that and kind of see. There's an awful lot of people that, that have wished that there were displays that would go both ways. <laughs> that like 
were like, well, why yeah. won't this just work? And now they're going to have this potentially working with G-Sync over HDMI. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that'll be a headache for NVIDIA yeah. in, some, yeah. in some form. This is a, a late summer, early fall product, mm-hmm. right? So they have some time to figure out what all that stuff is going to be. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's a small market for this, right? Because you have to have – you can't be as close as you are to your standard computer monitor more than likely and use this device. Mm-hmm. Maybe for gaming, if, if you want to have this idea of like – being completely surrounded and engulfed in this vision. Uh, however, like if you stop gaming and want to browse the internet, that's, oh, not, God. that's not very effective. Uh, so you're going to have to be further away from it. So it's more of a TV style. I think they, yeah, they called it be... like for people who have a gaming cave in their house type of thing. Like that's the setup mm-hmm. where you have the flexibility to have a TV a little bit further away uh, and then a separate like, you know, desk area, maybe a, a hospital TV tray, whatever it happens to be for your keyboard and mouse on it. Um, no idea on pricing. They wouldn't talk anything about that. They said, "Well, sixty-five inch HDR TVs exist, right?" And would be it'd be weird if we were a lot more expensive than those. Was essentially the direction we got. Are there actually four K true one hundred twenty hertz TVs? Not, not really one hundred twenty hertz. Really, because they don't like they don't put display ports on TVs and HDMI. Yeah, yeah you can't you can't yet. get a one hundred twenty hertz signal into them. Yeah, so oh, the panels right. can run native on some did of these they, TVs. Did they tell us officially like. about color spaces and stuff or what? They just say it is in the P. It conforms to P three. They did not tell us what percentage. So yeah. What about the four two two? Oh yeah, they did say four two two at one hundred forty four hertz. One hundred twenty. You mean? Oh, okay. It, might, it could have been. Yeah. It could have been one forty four. I think it's one forty four. Okay. Did scroll, they ever say? Did, the they, top of did they say four 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 at anything? That they only. Well, it's it's one hundred twenty. So you're right. They think they only said four two zero. Four two zero. Or okay. Yeah, I think you're I, right. I, 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 I don't think, remember I enough. I think that's you what you're. You you I don't probably, remember enough to say it. So you could probably hit four 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 at um sixty at four K sixty. Yeah, probably. That's okay. what I would expect. Is that you're losing the. The only other issue I saw with the with the display was that uh, when you have what do you call it when you have a segmented backlight? Um, Full array. That's uh, local dimming. Local segmented how? Like like local dimming, right? But you don't know. We didn't know. I asked them like how many segments are we broken into, and they say, "Oh, we're not talking about that yet." But you could see the zones. So like the problem was they were using a black desktop background, and then when you had this white mouse cursor, yeah. Move across the screen. You, got you the, have this glow kind of around it. You got the original Star Wars effect. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Well, I mean, it was it was like you know, if the cursor was the size of your thumb, you had this shape about the size of a of a of a cantaloupe kind of following around it that was just slightly brighter than everything else around it. Yeah, and it stood out, right? And they were trying to hide it. You know, like there was a TV off to the side that had a cursor up and in the corner, and that, and that's just and the, the corner. That's just that the contrast ratio of their screen that they're using is not that great. Right, if the backlight right. is bleeding through the blacks, I mean, it's noticeable. Backlight stuff is stuff you can change later in the Again, game. It's like, still, yes, I, it is I still don't early. expect it to ever ship like that. To be honest, I, it would be no, they couldn't do that. Yeah, no, they could not do that. So, uh, but they promise like the exact same low latency stuff of G Sync on this panel. That they sure. would not release it otherwise. So they'll, they'll say it has a monitor OSD. So like when I first read this yeah. when I first read this press release and wrote it up, I was thinking, oh cool, they're using Android T V. So like Sony on their on their current 
flagship TVs and even a little lower than that, they use yeah. Android TV as the operating system. So you can like change all the picture settings and the inputs through Android TV, which is a really slick implementation. But there's none of that going going here. You have a separate Shield remote and controller. Yeah. It, uses, it uses HDMI C and CEC internally to switch the input when you wake up the Shield, which is kind of nice. But so like these don't really seem like TV replacements. They seem like big monitors. Yeah, I was asking like how many inputs do you have. Uh... No Dolby Vision, so like you won't be able to play some Netflix HDR content because it's encoded in Dolby Vision. So we'll see. Also at CES, Intel announced Optane 800P. Indeed they did. What is this? Uh, So remember that Optane memory thing that would cache a hard drive or an SSD? I might have heard of it. You know, and you'd you'd plug it in and there was a software thing you'd install and just magically do this cache thing right mm-hmm. um there were some people that were using those as like os ssds because it worked just like a regular nvme thing even though it only went up to 32 gigs yeah only went up to 32 gig kind of painful well imagine that product kind of really imagine that product except with all uh not 16 and 32 gig but 60 and 120 gig okay because it's looks identical like i even compared the layout in that picture compared to like this 32 gig part right it's the same layout the controller looks like it almost even has the same part number on it like it's literally looks like the same thing just more space available right so it's still going to be a buy two pci express thing it's probably going to perform more like the 32 gig version than the 16 gig version of the prior one because remember there was a fall off in performance for the the 16 gig because it was only using one channel Whereas the 32 had two uh, two dies on it, right? This still has just two packages on it, but those packages are going to have more dies in them. Got it. Right. So you just you know now you're stacking up the cross point dies, getting more available capacity, and you know it's not going to beat a 900p. It has half the available bandwidth in the first right. place. It's by two instead of by four. First right. of all, right. Yeah. Um, there's a chance it might have better latency than a 900p because remember the Optane memory things had slightly better latency, mm. uh, slightly lower latency than 900p. Yeah. yeah. Um, the trade-off is there's I think it's only like a two-channel controller in in those just those devices uh, in general. Right. Whereas the you know the so, 900p had way more channels. You mentioned it in the in the news post, but like it's going to be a difficult thing to get past to have 60 to 120 gig capacities. It again. is. It is. Right, that's that's kind of where we were at. When SSDs first started, X25M, it's 80 where, gig. It's where we were at when we first got <laughs> yeah, our no first kidding. NVMe SSDs, right? The X25M like, had a higher capacity than this. What? It was an 80 gig. They yeah. sold a 160 gig. Uh, I know. It was uh, $1,500. Yeah, but like the, <laughs> it the, existed. The quote unquote like, original SSD that was good to buy had a higher capacity option yeah. than this. Uh, you know. Yeah, yes. But I mean, if you look at for, like. Form factor is probably the big concern yeah. here, right, for them. But these are M.2s. I would see, like, crazy power user types. Like, I mean, heck, we were even doing RAID testing with four of the 32-gig parts. You but, say, heck, even we. Like, we're like, not crazy Yeah, people. like, well, like yeah, we're slightly, you know, enthusiast kind of whatever. But, like, you can get a, uh, you know, four 120s in RAID. You could. So that's a 480. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? you could. We don't know really anything about pricing I mean, yet. We don't really think about when they're actually available, though, do we? No. They just said Q1, I think. Um, Q1. 
So we'll 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 have a review up of this, but it it is coming. 128 gig, uh, you know, even 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 the Z370 boards that you could do two, right? You could do two in RAID. Yeah, I mean, there might be. I think there's a board or two that will do three. Okay, but the yeah. majority should be able to yeah, do the ma- two. Majority of the newer platforms. desktop boards. Yeah. So you're getting up to 240 gigs, and that's you know boot plus applications type of thing. You're in, you're in the range, um, but. Yeah, it's a far step. We every time we go through like a storage progression, we regress in that capacity. I mean, yeah, that hasn't yeah. happened in quite a while. I mean, so it happened with SATA SSDs, and, I feel, and it happened with M.2 SSDs too, right? Like uh, the first M.2 SSDs we were getting peaked at maybe two fifty for the, at the most type yeah, of thing. Maybe. I think um, I think where Intel is stuck here on these is that I'm pretty sure that's just the only controller. They can use on an M.2 form factor the for the time draw. being. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and I assume they probably fixed the power draw thing on this model because if they're really going to market it as something that's going to be like, oh, you can put this in your desktop, use it as your primary drive. Right. And, um, you know, even put it in mobile platforms, potentially, you, you have to, you know, the, <laughs> the Optane memory parts didn't really even have like an idle state to them. They just always drew whatever power they drew. Like, their idle power was very high. It was like a few watts. Yep. Just continuous, like, vampire draw. So, presumably, they fixed that with these. But still, it looks like the same controller. And that controller can only go so far. Maybe they can only physically connect it to two packages worth of die stacks. Like, maybe they just... That's as far as that. Maybe maybe that's just as far as they go (laughs) with this, right? And then... So, they need... Agreed. They need a new controller to push M.2 Optane further. Agreed. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ken, you got to see the Vive Pro? We both did. Uh, well, I'm just throwing it to you. So, yeah. you know, hey, you, Same. you went to the press conference. We did, did. We both got to demo it. Um, this is new, higher resolution, right? 78% increase in pixels. Um, A move to OLED displays. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. So it goes from 2160 by 1200 to 2880 by 1600 mm-hmm. um, as a shared resolution. Uh, it's a little bit. First of all, I like the. I didn't see any of the black, the blue ones. We didn't see blue ones there, did no, we? We did. Did we? They're all blue. Oh, you're right. They're That's all, how they differentiate. They have... The lighting. If it's in dark room, they look. It's black. difficult to tell. Yeah. I think these pictures make it look awesome, and I would get one almost just for that. Uh, but they have like better uh, headphones now, more sound isolating headphones. Um, there's some ergonomic improvements in terms of just attaching it, like the um, um, the dial on the back. Is now used for it's, yeah this right here. It's like a it's like a welder's helmet thing. It is, and a, a, a lot of other like VR that... MR headsets, like the uh, the Acer um, Microsoft mixed reality mixed one. reality headset we have is like that, and it actually works better. The, the does the PSVR use that too? I think it's a similar type. I think it's the same idea. Not not having to adjust two Velcro straps simultaneously on the side of your head. Yes, is pretty great. Big advantage there. Um, it's got two front facing cameras now. Yeah, they they didn't say anything about that. They just it, it has them, <laughs> right? Who knows? It could be for more like of a of a stereo depth thing with the chaperone. Yeah, they said it was supposed to. I've I've read some stuff that said it was supposed to improve the chaperone. Thing, HTC right? said nothing about them. I don't know. There's, there's, there's been a lot of conjecture about what they could be used for, but HTC said reality, nothing in that. Finally, yeah. did they talk about like the resolution of the cameras or frame nope, rates? They, they didn't talk yeah. about the cameras. The yeah, um, I read somewhere I read on the Vive page that the field of view was slightly bigger. It's from the sounds of it, of of the li- of the cameras. You mean, no, or of the no, no, no screen so inside. The screens inside. So not only do you have more resolution, but I believe you have a slightly 
Well, it's not too much wider because then your no, pixel it's, density doesn't. It, it's not. Change. It's not. But it's just slightly. It was like a twenty something percent, or it was like low number percent increase in your field of view, and then there the, was the resolution increase. They also announced in partnership with Intel the wireless adapter for sixty gigahertz Y gig. Um, how does that attach to your face or head, Ken? I don't the, know. It sticks on the top. It's a mouth guard. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> no, they, 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 they stick it on the top. It looks like you've got one of those Japanese samurai helmets. It's on. suppository. Uh, oh, oh, oh. So fortunately, uh, <laughs> fortunately, the 60 uh, gigahertz stuff is like receiving there. So you're not, trans- you're not trying to transmit an inch away from your skull. I mean, across a room. I, I mean, yeah, that's, you have that's to transmit. Got you have the to plugins. Well, you yeah. transmit something. Back. What you're transmitting is not the super high power. Like, is it not? Line of is it not stuff. in the 60 gigahertz band? You well, don't no, think? no. What you're transmitting could it be no different than the con- what the controller. It's just basically your input. Yeah, yeah. And the controllers are just Bluetooth. Yeah, and the tracking doesn't require right. Bluetooth, so you're not actually transmitting anything from the headset. Well, no, you have the position, camera in position it. data, position, position of the yeah. yeah, which is no different than the position data of the controllers going sure. back to the. It would seem you know. weird for them to have another radio in there to do that, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, how, the, how heavy is the battery pack, and how long does it last? No details on that. So didn't get to it, choose, it said didn't get to use it one. said something like, um, there was some adjective they used, but it was like. It implied enough hours of gameplay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like what I came away with was like, you might be lucky with two hours from the way that they worded it. I was Mm. like, okay, that probably means like a couple of hours. Just hook a USB battery pack up to this. There you go. (laughs) 20,000 milliamps. I mean, you know, you're you're still not tripping over a cord in that case. Yeah. You know, but then your head gets really tired. I don't know. You don't put the USB. <laughs> you don't put the power pack on your head. You put it just, in your back pocket. Even or if something? it had like a short cord, at least you're not dragging. Why well, also just have a damn VR backpack at that point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, Ken and I both got to try this, and there is a a noticeable difference in the pixel density quality. Could you actually read like um, words? Yeah. And so stuff? like the demo where they had it like side by side, there was some text and stuff for you to look at, and you and it was definitely better. And and but both of us agreed that we we did like a racing sim and like a it's racing a set chair. Of yeah. Yeah. And because you were so focused on the racing and like the movement of everything else, it was hard for me to even to really tell that I was on a new headset. Yeah. Right. And no, it, of course they had us in. $8,000 fully pneumatic racing yeah. chairs that but were a, reacting to the game. So you weren't really paying that much attention Josh to Josh would have loved it. But in a racing sim, you're not... I would have. You're actually not paying as much attention to, like, the movement of the headset specifically because you're more still, like... Yes, yeah. you're correct. You're, you're panning back and forth a little bit, but, like, you're looking forward for the most part. I also did another thing. Um, what's a, I, did a, I did a walkthrough of a Ready Player One level or, or oh, I stage wish I or something that. like that. Damn it. It was uh, what's his name's garage. Uh, what's what's the main character's name? I don't know his name. Is. name is. Oh, but he was really into it before a second ago. I forgot the names. Uh, I read the, like the book came out like so freaking eight yeah, years ago or something. It looks really neat. Um, availability is the first half of the year. They're going to give first dibs to people who are current Vive owners. Like they're going to basically. It's just, it's, well, you only get the headset. It's not really first dibs. 
Well, you gonna, won't get the rest of the system. Right. So they're you only kinda, shipping the headsets. So you yeah, have yeah. to have the other stuff, right? Because there's new there's new lighthouse system. Um, so it will work the with the old lighthouses and the base station 1.0 tracking and base station 2.0, which is the new stuff. Base station 2.0 sounds like it's not going to be ready until the summer time frame. So mm-hmm. they're going to sell you the headset if you already have base station 1.0 trackers. This quarter, I believe they said, no pricing or anything like that. They said pricing in a couple of weeks. The The, the difference with the 2.0 trackers is that you're supposed to be able to put four of them in a room if you wanted to mm-hmm. for more space, mm-hmm. right, to cover a much larger cover area. Cover more space. Ten meters by ten meters is what four of them will cover. Yeah. And you're just running into, like, you're just too far away from the, the beam, yeah. like, for it to just be able to pick it out anymore if you try to go ten meters away from one lighthouse. Sure. Right? Um, and then the other difference is there's only one rotor. In, in the Rev 2 oh, really? lighthouses. Yeah, it does. The, the two beams actually are like crisscrossing. Mm. They, they, they're like on a 45-degree angle. 70s. Yeah, and it's able to just, you know, do it just some extra math to figure out. Got it. You know, where it was Looks in cool. Space. Also, I was wrong. The original Vive used OLED, so. Oh, it did? Okay. I couldn't remember. Uh, quickly, I'll touch on this. HP announced... The Intel-based version of the NVX2 detachable, uh, we had already seen uh, at the Maui event that Qualcomm had the NVX2 version using their part. Now there's an Intel version. Um, they look very similar. They have different stand designs. Yeah, which is weird, right? It seems really dumb. I don't know why no, they would do yeah. that. Unless they're trying to like do their own internal A-B testing of which one people hate the most. Maybe. Um, yeah, but then you add another variable and now you're... Yeah, that's true. Uh this is going to be, you know, better performance, but lower battery life, less connect, less connectivity um, than the Qualcomm version. Well, to be fair, this does have a built-in modem still. Uh, sorry, by connectivity I meant uh, like the always-on, always-connected yeah. uh, stuff, right? Where you just turn it on and it's always on. There stuff. you go. Yeah, that's better. Um, so claim, they claim 15 hours of battery life. HP on this device claims 20 hours on the Qualcomm hardware. Um, not quite the 2x claim that Qualcomm makes made itself uh, at the tech day. So we'll have to see how all that pans out with uh, actual hardware. Um, but you know, in terms of physical design, they're basically identical except for the keyboard and kickstand and whatnot. So we'll see more on that soon as well and then also in terms of like slick looking machines this acer redesigned swift 7 the world's thinnest laptop ken and i got to see this at an intel event as well it's really thin yeah that looks really it's like it's comically thin yeah it's almost like this is fake type of thing right um it still feels well built though it doesn't feel super flimsy like obviously the screen feels flimsy and uh you can only make that so structural right exactly But it, but it's better than I expected. Honestly, I was impressed on, with the keyboard. Like the keyboard didn't feel like a mushy piece of crap with no travel. It felt like a pretty standard chiclet keyboard on laptop, yeah. which is amazing. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention on that Dell XPS 15 2 and one it uses magnetic levitation keys for the keyboard. What's that even mean? It, it's That's, using magnets to it's push not, It's up. not springs. It's, yeah, it's using magnets as the force to push the keys back up. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – yeah. Maglev so usually then you really imp- want to put a spinning rust drive. No, in no, there, no, I mean, don't you? All SSDs. Maglev usually implies that it's act like an active electromagnet, and it is those, not. those are it just is magnets. Not. Yeah, 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 these are just magnets. <laughs> but it is magnetic levitation. Why'd my battery die so quickly? Well, I was powering like a hundred and something keys, you know, and it's magnetic levitation. It's, it's just like it's 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 the fridge. 
Uh, maybe. I'll try that first. I'll just push it against so the let they, go. Did you type? I did. It, it felt different than the other XPS keyboards, but it felt okay. Okay. Right? Like, it felt fine. And they, they talked fairly extensively with me about um, the research they had done into it, the, the reliability they had done uh, on I just testing wonder why it. There was 12.5 million keystrokes. Well, sure. What's going to wear out? It's just a magnet. Like, I don't know, the switch underneath it or something? I don't oh, know. I guess. Did they say, that, like, they have a reason? Did they say, like, the... It was th- for thinness. Okay. Right? Like, and they were trying to get the machine as thin as they could while getting as much battery, and this is the Kaby Lake G system, so mm-hmm. they were trying... Just, just for thinness. Uh, anyway, the Swift 7, also much... It's also significantly thinner than that. Uh, but it is a... What, what processor is it's in this? A, it's a... Well, it's a... I'm sorry. Core M. A YSQ. Okay. The i7 7Y75. So essentially what Intel, the guy from Intel was saying, who was showing us these two machines, the HP and the Acer, is that they took the same sort of core miniaturization technology that allowed them to put the core i7Y series and uh, the Intel LTE modem into a tablet, and Acer sort of applied the same thing to a notebook with more battery. Like they kind of took that. Got so it. they can make a super thin base, and then they could like shingle battery in there and get some P travel still, and make a traditional notebook type design. And this does have an Intel LTE modem, yes. in it as well. Yes, so part of that connected ecosystem. Like Sixteen hundred bucks. So you know, it doesn't have amazing battery life because no. there's not any room for battery. Worth noting, but you know, moving on. About eight- the same as Nuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, about the same battery life. Uh, Acer uh, released the Nitro 5 gaming laptop powered by Ryzen Mobile. Um, this is it's a, it's a larger machine, 15.6, 1080p. Uh, this basically is the second... Is this the APU base or is this... No, okay. This well, is, it's both. It's, oh, okay. It's got, it's got like a 2500U and a RX 560 in it because there's no uh... current... Not APU option for Ryzen on notebooks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they had to use that. I imagine they'll be using the integrated GPU and the 2500U for some power saving stuff instead of using the 560 all the time. You'd I hope. hope so. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But it's it's good to see more Polaris based notebook options. There are a couple out there right now, but like having yeah. like Polaris seems to do pretty well in a notebook. Oh, I don't think I mentioned the AMD side, but AMD did confirm they were going to do a Vega mobile GPU, but they gave no time frame on it. So there That's you go. That's funny because they, they already have a Vega mobile GPU. Selling it to Intel. Intel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think in their line, it's going to be higher performance than that. The, 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 so quote, the quote someone got out of Scott was that, well, you could put a Vega 10 in a, G, in a notebook. It was about the extent of the quote. Yeah, so <laughs> you could do that thing. Uh, Gigabyte was the only company, I think, that showed off X470 motherboard. Um, so there it is. It's the Aorus X470 Gaming 7 Wi-Fi. So that's the next generation of AMD motherboards. Okay. What do you guys think? It looks like a motherboard. looks like a motherboard. looks nice. Yeah. It's got RGBs. Of course it does. What are you there, they didn't. There's the they Thunderbolt. Didn't. <laughs> no, Please no. tell me this RGB motherboard Not thing is a Not very many fad. USB ports. Do you think it's a I fad? I mean, I guess there's a Four, no, six, but... eight. There's eight there. No, I don't think eh. RGBs are a fad. They're you don't think RGB forever. motherboards are a fad? You can always turn RGBs off, man. I know. I'm sorry. There's ten there. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. The red and the black. Yep. Type C. 
Yeah. They didn't have a whole lot to say about what's new on this motherboard. It's mostly just a revised design with the new chipset. It's because they're not supposed to be showing it. Well, but <laughs> probably. I, I think they would have told us. Let's let's put it that way. Oh, I see. Got so it. I, I mean, guess it plays a lot nicer with memory. Yeah. It, th- th- that was kind of the point I was going to make is for nothing else, at least they have a chance with the new chipset to produce new motherboards that they might not have produced Correct. otherwise. So things like Jeremy mentioned with memory speeds, like they might put an external clock generator on these new boards where they didn't before to get higher memory clocks or working with AMD to make sure that they have the right AGISA code to get higher memory speeds and stuff like that. Right. I think these will still be interesting boards even if the X470 chipset doesn't necessarily offer a whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll know more in April. Uh, speaking of crazy crap, how about this? <laughs> Asus announces a bezel-free kit from the ROG brand. This is basically some pieces of plastic lenses. Apologies Would you for say they're uh, prism shaped. Apologies for not showing a photo yeah. of this because it was impossible to photograph properly. Whatever. Clearly they did it. That's not photoshopped. Um, The idea is where you have your three monitors coming together, those two seams that are created in your NVIDIA surround or affinity configuration. What if you could use prisms? Fresno lenses. Sure. Prism-shaped Fresno lenses. Well, I don't think they're Fresnos because they were... They are. They had the ridges in them. Okay. To essentially hide the bezel. Right, and they do that. There's there is some distortion that occurs, right? Because it's would be impossible to do otherwise. That would be freaking magic. Yeah, um, and it it worked better than I thought it when did. I saw the announcement. Right, it did it worked well? Um, you know, it, it doesn't only work with ASUS monitors. It can work with anything that has a thin bezel. Although there are it there, like it would, there are size it would, restrictions, right? Yeah. Like you know the height and width and all that yeah. stuff. It looks like it would fit best on those. Specific it also panels. doesn't really look like it's flexible in terms of the angle. No, right? No, like no, the no. monitors have it to was, be at, at this specific angle. It has yeah. to be at 130 degrees. And they said they did a lot of user testing to determine what angle people actually wanted these at, since yeah. you couldn't change it, and they came up with 130. Yeah, I mean you can't sure. really make those work that way. You and can't have make it, it work at multiple angles. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you have to redo the the, the, lens. the lens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what else to say. What do they say? Like the, the only thing that I the only thing that I wished could have been different about them is that just like how the bezels would kind of bug me, what bugs me a little bit more is that you'd get so if you had a diagonal line running across that you know transition, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It would change angle as it was going through the lens. Mm-hmm. It has to, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to you know so if, it just would have been cooler. To me, if there was some way through NVIDIA, driver, something, not just do the bezel correction thing, but also do a thing where it's intentionally uh, showing you... Distorting it at the screen. It's distorting it at that edge where the lens would be over in such a way that what you're seeing across the lens is it's, you know, completely filling it in properly. In other words, diagonal line would be a diagonal line going straight through. That seems like an awful lot of work for because what was the strategy? so the, so they had a they had a racing game running, and Josh would appreciate this the best, right? Actually, was, no, he wouldn't because it was an awful demo. That game well, did not support that sort of aspect ratio in the least. Oh. There was that, but the <laughs> fact was, was like so. 
in, in any kind of racing game on a set of screens like that, you would have the road, like the lines from the you know right and left edges of the road, yeah. cutting through those, mm-hmm. and they would always look weird. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas even if you just didn't have the prisms, you'd have bezels in the way, sure, but at least the lines would track straight. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, your brain edits the bezels out pretty quickly. When you get into a game, you just don't yeah. see them anymore. Uh, unless, you know, you've got something on a, a slightly bad angle, in which case it stares, glares at you until you fix it. Right. And, <laughs> so and at least... with these, that there's just that little bit that's going to be wrong. And it's going to be hard to get the brain to just ignore it because it's that, going to be saying, was, no, there's something weird. That's, that's what was popping out to me. It might not affect everybody that way, but that's what was popping out to me. I was like, oh, every time there was a line that would cut across it, it just was like popping out, at least in my It would be my interesting perception. to see if NVIDIA would do something like that. It wouldn't be difficult. It's just, I mean, they would never do that because they don't – like, who cares – like – when it's, last it's time we heard thing. NVIDIA mentioned surround yeah, it's a very as a technology. True. Yeah. I mean, iFinity's been mentioned more than that, but it's still not yeah. like, on the tip of people's tongues. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I, I'll probably get a set in to try it out with some monitors. Some monitors. <laughs> we kind of, yeah, we need like... Yeah, I mean, I can get monitors. It's not the problem. It's I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it'd be curious. Now, also, when you are done gaming... You have to take them off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you're going to do normal computing, you know. It seemed to come on and off pretty it did. easy. They, they were easy to install and take off. So Yeah, because any window you had near the, you know, half-inch edge left or right of the screen would be stretched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Not really. That's how uh, I like my Excel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next, uh, the other thing Asus had that I thought was really interesting was they announced the... Uh, Lyra Voice, which is a you know a new brand of of connected devices. It's a multi-feature device. It's an 802.11ac mesh Wi-Fi hub as well as voice assisted uh, or voice assistant enabled stereo speaker. I mean, sure, they make routers. So I, I just like the idea of this of of my devices extending my network and making it better yeah. as opposed to not. It's already as opposed a, to just being you, there. It's already an internet-connected thing that you're plugging in somewhere somewhere else in your house anyway. Yeah. You might as well. So yeah. as long as you can have this mesh system expanding, yeah. then yeah. why wouldn't you want to do it, right? So uh, it works with the Asus existing Lyra mesh networking system. Uh, it's tri-band AC2200 class stuff uh, radio there. It integrates Amazon Alexa, which is, which is great. Uh, oops, she sorry. She's going to talk to me now. Oh, no, she didn't. Um, and then uh, they also uh, the uh, the Asus Lyra Trio is a dual band multi hub mesh system. It looks like that. That looks if, if you remember way back in the day, Asus released networking wireless networking gear that looked like that, except black. It was yep. a USB adapter for like eight hundred two to eleven n. Yeah, yeah, really good. Like that antenna design was and actually. The, I think they good. said they said that those will also come in black if you want them. I don't remember they them saying no, that. They did. I, I, did they? I asked oh, yeah, them. They did. yeah, they just didn't have. They weren't showing them, but. You'd be able to get them. Uh, and then they also announced the RTAX88U, which is an 802.11ax router uh, with a maximum throughput of 6,000 megabits, otherwise known as 6 gigabits, uh, 8 gigabit LAN ports for wired connections, and obviously using MU MIMO. And that's a standard that's uh, not that. like final, final yet. Yeah, right? and when I asked, like, hey, are you sure you're going to be able to support 802.11ax when it's done? It was dismissed as, yeah, no, everything, all the chip guys are done. We're all finished with this. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's true, but I have no way to back it. But it's always a risk if you buy a router like this before yeah. it's things all, are final, final, It's supposedly final. all radio firmware at this point. Yeah. 
Maybe. Uh, and real quickly, since we're running late, finally, uh, Lenovo had a new ThinkPad X1 lineup. It had 8th gen GP, 8th gen CPUs, uh, but also HDR displays involved in this, which I think is maybe the most interesting thing. The X1 Carbon uh and is it the yoga habit too yeah they both have 2560 by 1440 ips dolby vision hdr screens this is basically the replacement of the oled it is um in this line um very expensive devices the x1 yoga starts at 1889 yeah that's uh, around yoga starts at 1709 that's around what the oled was starting at was it okay when i asked them about the oled they were kind of cagey about it and they said basically it was a power issue yeah, them. power and I think screen availability. They said there's only one guy making them, and also they use they use more power. So they well, went they back were, with the were, HDR. I think they were putting a slightly larger battery in the OLED models. They were, yeah, just to kind to of help make up that. that. The HDR screens looked really good. Yeah, I don't think they looked as good to me initially as the OLED screens looked to me initially. Mm-hmm. I didn't have they didn't have them side by side. They weren't going to do that right. right if there was some kind of deficit. Um, but I think there's probably more application for a Dolby Vision HDR screen in the long run. Um, and if I didn't they, think to ask if it would also support HDR10, I would assume because that's just a free software-based thing. Like whereas oh, Dolby yeah. Vision requires an app. How many bits? To do. Uh, I didn't ask. I don't think I asked. Uh, hmm. They also mentioned what else did they say? Be- moving away from OLED to this allowed them to do a glass-free touchscreen. Glass free, like it was just plastic. It was like matte finish, like like this screen essentially, oh. without any performance degradation in the touch interface or something like that. Okay, because um, I guess they, they couldn't do a matte finish of the OLED, right? But now they can of this. Now you suffer some of your image quality, like that, your that color might, that might be why that, your it wasn't popping as much to you. That's probably yeah, because I, I I think they only I think the only one I saw was the matte version. Yeah. And I think they will offer it in both. So in other words, they can make the screen a little bit thinner yep. on the top and, and you know, I was seeing the same effect. The I same saw time. I saw a few different HDR displays at CES this time that were on matte finish displays. Yeah. And the contrast was noticeably reduced. Yeah. It is. It is. Especially if you have that uh, Asus uh external yeah. monitor, yeah. for example. Did the same yeah. thing. But external it, monitor. In that monitor monitor. In that portable <laughs> monitor's defense, like there was a pretty bright light. It was like a bad place to demo right down that. On it. Yeah, and you have it, a matte finish screen. Because I looked at like... it, I looked at it, and I remember telling him, my buddy there, I said, "Are you sure this is HDR?" Yeah, it, the, the blacks like, were not. Is this black. like a prototype that's not actually HDR? And it's like, no, it's the right one. It's, and okay, well, it's just it's in a bad spot for this. But yeah, he's gonna email me and yell at me now. But sorry, such is life. Uh, and then the Lenovo Mirage VR camera and untethered motion tracking daydream headset. Um, the so the 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 headset is it's freestanding. You don't slot a phone into it. This is powered by Qualcomm. Um, it's part of the Daydream, the Google Daydream ecosystem. Um, they kind of pre-announced this at I/O. I think that Lenovo that, and okay. Google were yeah. working together. Yep. Uh, Snapdragon eight thirty five, four gigs of memory, uh, micro SD expansion up to two hundred fifty six gigs. There twenty five sixty by fourteen forty display, one hundred ten degree field of view, one point four two pounds total. Uh, they claim up to seven hours of use per charge, although Lenovo notes that this number may vary based on the complexity <laughs> of the Daydream content. As an aside, I saw today that uh, Res Infinite is on the Google 
Play oh, Store now as a Daydream app, which I think would be like a really cool piece of content. We'll have I to think try to we dig have up that a, stuff. Dig we, up a headset. I've got. The, I think we still have the Daydream and that Note Eight still sitting there. So I think that works with that, right? I know we have the Daydream headset from the Pixel XL. I just don't know what phones it'll support put yeah. in there. They also announced the Mirage camera. Uh, which is a compact VR capture device that records 180 degrees of video uh, through two 13-megapixel fisheye lenses. And then uh, it integrates with Google Photos and YouTube for easy sharing and playback, obviously, in that device or anything that supports uh, yeah. VR playback. You can live stream from this. I assume no. connected to, like, your phone as a hotspot. But right. you, you, can, you can live stream to YouTube in VR 180. Uh, they changed their pricing segment uh, to under $300 for the camera and under $400 for the Mirage Solo, which is the uh, the Daydream headset itself. So I'm curious to get my hands on that because I think this will be – I don't know if they say anything about availability. Oh, ships in the second quarter. Okay, so not immediately available. I was trying to think if there was another – if there is an immediately shipping freestanding headset as opposed to one that's slotted. I don't think there is. Not a daydream one. Yeah, so this might be, you have, this you might have be one of the first. Oculus Go and the Vive Focus, but I don't think they're Vive Focus yet. is no longer a daydream product, and Oculus uh, Go isn't, obviously. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into our hardware picks of the week. We'll run through these quick as well. Uh, mine is uh, I'm cheating, and I'm picking literally nothing uh, <laughs> because – I wanted to use this time slot to talk about graphics cards. Oh, no. What? Uh, graphics card pricing and how it so sucks again. Angry. So it's an anti-pick. Uh, it's an anti-pick. Don't buy video cards. Uh, actually, I will give a shout-out to uh, Jason Evangelo, who wrote a story uh-huh. on Forbes about he – he, he basically said, I was going to write a story about here's the gaming PC you should build, and everything was so expensive. He started looking into OEM PCs. Oh, yeah. That have, you know, 1070s, 1080s in them, 16 gigs of RAM. And these are components that they've bought a while ago that they have bulk purchasing. Yeah, but now people are going to buy those just to rip the GPUs out of them. Well, it seems like a less likely venture because now you have to invest $1,600 in a system. Yeah. But if you're going to spend something like that anyway, you know, if you can effectively get your GPU for two or $300 less because of it, it might work out that you're getting the same components. you know, maybe not in the case you want, or maybe not the specific vendor of motherboards you want, or whatever. But you can actually buy a system. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen plenty of people tweeting at me and emailing me talking about like what when, when's this going to die? When when's this going to fix? Uh, because they're just basically waiting to build systems until they can get a GPU, and they just can't do it. Um, I don't really have anything else to say other than that. Other than it sucks, and uh, you know, Bitcoin pricing going way down. I tweeted out earlier yeah, that keep, like keep an eye on it because there was a huge dip today, huge, and yesterday, and and right. I tweeted we out that like, hey, Bitcoin prices went down, so maybe we'll finally get GPUs yeah. for sale. But it takes yeah. some time. And I guess some smart ass people on Twitter are like, oh, GPUs don't even buy Bitcoin anymore, idiot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesus. I, yeah, but no, if you look I, at every other crypto market, it. it was also down. But every other, every mining person ends up converting that back into Bitcoin. If you're doing it for financial gains, you convert it back to Bitcoin and sell All it. All the altcoins uh, track. track it to a larger degree. Then if Bitcoin drops like 15%, a lot of the altcoins will go down like 20%. Yeah. So, so. Uh, yes, I clearly understand that you can't use GPUs to mine Bitcoin. However, the Bitcoin value it affects moves everybody. Everything. Damn it, it moves everything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't think one day of a giant dip in Bitcoin mining is going to change anything. But if it happens to be for a week, yeah. you may start to see people sell it off as they're now making you know thirty, forty, fifty percent less than they were making before on their mining operations. And so, keep an eye out for something like that. There might be some good news there. Um, 
But I have no good news from like AMD or NVIDIA, right? I've been keeping an eye on it recently, and if you go to like now on stock and you subscribe to Newegg and Amazon notifications, like once a day, some of these GPUs will be posted. It might not be from the maker you want, and they're fairly close to MSRP. Like you can get a 1070 Ti for like like 540, which is which is pretty. That's like a hundred dollars not... over, mm. isn't it? Uh, no, this was no. be a 449 product. Bucks. It's like four seventy nine or something. And like these that. are these are aftermarket okay. cards, so they might be a little bit more. So if you just like keep an eye on that, there will be short periods of time where you can grab them. I saw yesterday Jacob tweeted right before they posted products on the EVGA store. So if you keep an eye on something like that. Oh it's right, not, like hey, it's not give impossible to get a GPU. Yeah. You just had to be ready to jump on whatever card you can get for the given GPU you want. If you're willing to spend, so on GeForce.com, everything's out of stock, except <laughs> the Star Wars Edition Titan XP for 1138 Is that still the original price? It's, uh, it's actually lower. The original price was 1299 They lowered it to 1138 uh, 1138 being THX1138, George Lucas's <laughs> first movie. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, also the name of one of the bounty hunter droids in the movie. So um, what do you got miners buying those instead of the uh... – So actually what the story <laughs> – what the message I saw earlier was somebody had a Vegas 64. They sold it for $1,200 and bought one of these instead, which is going to be a significantly better performance. That's true. You know, than that in terms of for gaming. But um, 11 uh, – you know, the, saying, hey, you can buy a video card you just at retail price. You have to spend $1,100 is still kind of a shitty thing to have to deal with. So uh, I apologize, although I can do nothing about it. Moving on. Who's uh, Jeremy? What do you got? Uh, well, if anyone's played Bridge Constructor, uh, which is just an amusing and not very expensive game, adding GLaDOS to it really works. Uh, it is bloody hilarious. Uh, PR person sent me a code for the game like back in November-ish, and I just never got around to it until I got back from Christmas break. Installed it. It's uh, 10 or 12 bucks, depending on where you're buying it from. Did it originally not six... have GLaDOS in it? Not the same way. Oh, okay. Mm. This, is, this is very portal. Uh, there's 60 levels on it, and like I say, it's about 10 or 12 bucks, so it's, it's decent. And being awful to people is quite rewarding. <laughs> as, as you can see there, you, you get some very amusing insults. So, yeah, if you're bored and you want a little bit of mindless fun... Or just to amusingly torture people, it, it's worth the ten, twelve bucks. Oh, interesting, very cool. And like you just play a level or two and then go off and do something else. You don't need to worry about it at all. It's kind of nice. Cool, uh, Josh. Any new Patreons? Uh, uh, since I last mentioned, I will yeah. say no. Oh, well, I thought I saw one go up anyway. Um, they lied, they this lied is real you. hardware. Real hardware. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never cooked in an iron skillet, you need to learn because they're so damn handy. They're very useful. They cook really good things. Mm-hmm. Grilling steaks in it and finishing them with butter in them. Blazing hot iron skillet is fantastic. Make sure, make sure you only... season it first before. What you... does pre-seasoned it's mean? Pre-seasoned. Oh, it's pre-seasoned. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, Ron Jeremy is uh, at the factory pre-seasoning yeah. your. Oh, pans. I see. All right. Yeah. What no, is that? What but, is that uh, supposed to mean? Yeah, you have to like. Bucks. You have to like basically cook like oil into the iron if you get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? If you yeah, let soap touch, don't it. put it in the dishwasher. 
Yeah, don't don't do don't that. don't use soap. This is not a is dishwasher. Your, how do you thing. clean it? Just in the sink? You just you wipe salt? it out. You yeah. salt. Yep. Oh, okay. If there's something nasty, a bit of water, boil it up, wipe it out. Yeah. Yep. So no yep, soap. Fantastic. Okay. No soap. Utensils. It, it'll start to rust on you. Like okay. you don't want to strip the oil out of it. Is the yeah. hand, does, then Ron there's Jeremy's no protection on the handle. What if my hand gets hot? You That's could buy... why they make little uh, quilted <laughs> gloves. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. if I forget and I grab it? Can I blame um, you? You sure could. I want uh, uh... You can blame me all you want. $16 <laughs> for a pretty yeah. decent iron skillet. The reason Ooh, I have remnants of a burn on my hand is because the hell? I grabbed a stainless steel pan that had been in the oven with just just the edge was past my insulation and i burned the oh, that'll learn you with the hand. can i get the one with the buffalo nickel sure why do i want this so you can make pancakes you <laughs> assuming, man. but that looks like it'd be a huge pain actually that clean. would be no, the no, worst that, that would be the worst is, it's on the bottom of the skillet oh. uh, and it's just it's uh, it's more of a see it's also got the chrome no i don't know it doesn't have it. it's just it's just that, the buffalo that, I, I mean, think, wouldn't that wouldn't that make it less like? Wouldn't the heat be less? Yeah. Iron's pretty yeah, good. At yes, a it conducts less, it really but well. It anyway. does not gonna, Yeah. All right, I want much. the. And if you use it for Boy home Scout. defense, you'll know which person it was you hit. Twelve inch Boy Scout model. Whoa, easy guys. Fifteen inch. Brag much? Three and a half. It's for making little cornbreads. Mm. All right. That's an odd hardware pick, but I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, finally, Alan. So I needed some uh, longer HDMI cables that would actually uh, transmit 4K60. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got lucky because my distance I was trying to use was 15 feet in the first place. But the cables I had, which were like, you know, supposedly really highly graded cables that could do 4K60, supposedly, uh, wouldn't. So I was looking around. I stumbled upon some uh, Red Mirror cables. 15-foot version was significantly cheaper than normal on Amazon. It's not prime, but they're 11 bucks for a 15-foot Red Mirror HDMI cable, which is pretty cheap. It's almost like regular copper cable pricing for a 15-foot cable. Um, as comparison, the 25-foot cable is like $32. Got it. So, and that's where they start. Like, you know, they go all the way up to like a 60-foot for like 45 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So, for people that don't know, Red Mirror is a technology where there's kind of there's an active ic in both ends of the dongle and it's, it's using power from the hdmi connection to yeah. transmit to, to amplify the the signal so right. you can use very very thin gauge cable like way thinner than a normal hdmi cable and go longer yeah. distances it's, it's translating it's actually translating the hdmi signal into a like a different type of signal yeah. even mm-hmm. that's able to you know transit over that uh, you know more finer gauge cable so yeah, that's another bonus of them that even though the ends are a little bit thicker, uh, the cable itself is yeah. really thin. Unlike our traditional twenty-five foot HDMI cables we have in here in the studio that are like half inch in diameter. Yeah, like you could tow a car with them. You could actually have thin cables <laughs> that go like twenty-five, this. fifty feet. I do they use them to tow cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't add latency. I was going to ask that too. It doesn't. No, I, I mean you wouldn't be able to shouldn't. tell. It's, it really is it going did. to add latency. Okay, it's not, so, not a, measurable, but like, it's not going to be a huge amount. Yeah, because it's not. It's not like that. That end is going to buffer a 4K frame in it. Right. It's literally passing the signal through as it's coming it's in. Through. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's not uh, like it's a half a mile in Ethernet cable or anything. 
<laughs> Who would do such? Yeah, it adds latency because it's imagine. speed of light, and you're adding feet. The so, um, there you go. <laughs> so I'll end on this: the uh, Hawaii emergency management stuff that happened. Whatever. I just saw this story that went up today. Apparently, there was press in there detailing, like, "Hey, yeah. show me what happened." Whatever. And then there was a picture of a guy in front of one of the computers, and there's a password on a Post-it note. Stuck to the monitor <sighs> and the thing. Of course. Like, oh my God, this is only, it's getting worse. I did see another, a different tweet that was like, this is what the screen looks like. Oh, yeah, we saw that. Uh, of the With choices. The ad? And it was like, no, not that one, the, the actual only, one. The only difference was that the word drill was at the beginning of the same exact yeah. phrase. Yeah. Yes. So it was. There's a lot of bad it, user know, interface stuff. In that's that really regard, bad. But, uh, and there probably wasn't even like, yeah. a, or you're sure. It was probably I just bet, like, yeah. click. That's what Ken and I were talking about the other day. It was like, <laughs> there should be like a big red thing. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, are you really sure? Uh, but alas. Nope. That was, that was probably pretty awful. Uh, all right, everybody. That's going to be it for the episode this week. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week with another one. Uh, Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. Uh, we'll probably have YouTube back up and running by then. I don't know. Um, pcpro.com slash podcast. Go there. You can find uh, the ways to download the episode, uh, subscribe, get the show notes, all the stories we talked about. If you want to click through and, and read, them, read them along read along with them as we discuss them, that type of thing. Uh, all that's available at pcpro.com slash podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.